Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Hey, welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 274. A lot of live shows coming up. I'm going to be doing stand-ups in a lot of cities like Nashville, Chicago, Bloomington. Uh, because those all start in December because November 10th, Saturday night on Comedy Central, 11 p.m., I believe, is my first hour-long stand-up comedy special, Mandroid. Please watch it. Um, I'll hug you. Or I won't if you don't want me to. I'm easy. I'm a hug whore. I'll fucking whatever you want. So uh, I'm your private hug dancer, uh, hugger for money. I'll do pretty much whatever you want me to do. Uh, I would like to thank Amazon.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. If you go to this podcast page and click the Amazon banner and shop as you normally would, you'd be supporting the Nerdist Podcast. But more importantly, please watch the comedy special Mandroid airing November 10th on Comedy Central. This episode of the Nerdist Podcast is Darren Bowsman, uh, who was a great guy. And I can tell you that because I called him Darren Bozeman for most of the podcast, and he didn't correct me. Didn't correct me. And then it kind of came out at the end. I was like, why didn't you correct me? And he was like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's fine. Uh, really great guy. Directed a bunch of films in the Saw series, uh, 2, 3, and 4. Also, Repo, the genetic opera. And uh, he's just a really cool guy who sort of, who kind of made his own path, which I think a lot of you who listen to the show do that or want to do that. So uh, it, it was, uh, it, it's, a good, it's a good episode for you to listen to. So here it is, Nurse Podcast episode number 274 with Darren Bowsman. Also make sure and catch The Devil's Carnival, which is uh, his latest film. And uh, look him up on Google. Really interesting guy and he's doing it all. Him. I'm explaining the whole fucking podcast right now. So I'm going to shut up so you can just hear it happen organically. I love you. Now entering Nerdist.com What did you just say? Never mind. Did you say this was like an after dark radio show? This is, this is an after dark cinematic show where the radio host is all sultry and then you call up with stories. Like if, <laughs> this sexy one time. Stories. Sexy stories. This one time I was in a billiard parlor. Uh, I said sexy. 
And then, no, then they have sex on the pool table. Oh. Because a saxophone it. starts playing. <laughs> hey, Darren Bozeman, how's it going? It's doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. We've officially started the podcast. Jonah, Jonah's on his Jonah way. Jonah literally just said he's on his way. Well, actually, he just texted me the word on. Hmm. Could mean anything. He's on heroin? Maybe. There's Jonah yeah. Ray. Hey. One second. One second ago. One second ago? Well, like literally just, it's, I haven't even been on a minute. Still, started without me, and it makes me feel weird. Okay, we're gonna start the podcast now. Oh, he's knows. That's the most important part. Hi, how are you? Jonah, Darren, Darren, Jonah. Jonah, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's in the bag? Stuff uh, that was sent to you guys, but was sent to me. Oh, Urban Outfitters. Nope, that's just a bag. Oh. Yeah. Wow. A bag can be anything oh, you want it to a be. A bag can be anything you want it to <laughs> Thanks, be. Thanks, Mr. Imagination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you not get toys as a child? <laughs> no, it's just a bag and then the sticks. Oh, what? remember sticks? <laughs> Jonah, daddy's high. Here, play with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Play with this activity sack. <laughs> you didn't talk to me. Oh. <laughs> That's ah. um, Darren, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, thank you. How's it? Uh... You a fan of the Nerdist podcast? Welcome. I, uh, I am a fan, and it's, uh, it's great to be here. I've never asked anybody that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 what podcast is this? Well, what's your... Uh, this yeah. is You Made It Weird. What's your favorite episode? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of all the episodes you've listened to, which I assume are all I, uh, of them. I got called out. I cast someone in a movie, and I didn't know who he was before uh, casting him. And it was uh, he was in this last thing I did. He's a member of Slipknot. And, oh. uh, so oh. I actually get pulled into the meeting, and uh, this guy's name is Clown. And he goes, he's a big, intimidating dude. And he goes, so you're fans of Slipknot? And I was like, huge fans. And he's like, all right, that's awesome. So uh, what's your favorite song? And I was like, you know, you're, I celebrate your entire collection. Yeah. I cracked a big <laughs> and he goes, he goes, all right. Uh, and he pulls a poster down. We're in a manager's office, and he pulls this like framed picture off the wall and puts it in front of me. If you've ever seen Slipknot, there's like a bunch of guys in it. And they're all wearing masks. He goes, point to me. Which one am I? And I had no, I had no clue who he was. And so I just kind of randomly pointed, and he put the thing, and he goes, this meeting's over. And he walked out of the thing, jokingly, just screwing with me. But it was uh, pretty intimidating. Oh, uh, this whole time, I thought he was serious. I'm like, wow, I, Slipknot. I was hoping he was it's serious. It's kind of ballsy. It's kind of badass, actually, to do that. Uh, yeah, I, if you're not in Slipknot. Here's yeah. the thing. Yeah. When, when Give you, me any uh, band and say, point to the bass player, and I'll be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, you just point to the ugliest one. <laughs> when, you're, <laughs> when you're Matt, Jonah, or I... For some reason, we have that kind of energy where if we tried to pull that, people be like, I am never going to work with that piece of shit again. <laughs> like, I could never pull that Point off. to which one is me. I'm sorry. Never mind. Well, Do you I, need something? I saw myself babbling like an idiot trying to backtrack when I realized he really was thick. They were all laughing at me. The man, everyone was laughing at me. And I was seriously like sweating, like palms are sweating. I was bubbling like an idiot. It was really, uh, it was really terrible. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> so you know? uh, uh, I, we, we were talking before you got on. You, you got a new puppy. Yes, Aww, okay. uh, uh, it's a this. This sounds like really. I think I'm going to lose all horror cred when I talk about this, but it's a golden doodle, which is a cross between a uh, poodle and golden retriever. What? Can you? Yeah, yeah. I immediately wants a picture. Ironic. Yeah. You ask. I have an entire photo album prepared. I'm sure. Uh, no, so we uh, we took the uh, the dog out to Ohio this weekend. We have two dogs, and uh, we took him out. It was the first time the dog was actually allowed out of the house due to its uh, parvo shots. <laughs> so you can uh, you can scroll right there. Now, uh, when when your when your dog gets parvo. Shots, does it have like a vice helmet <laughs> oh, on it? And uh, it's no, buddy. No. Oh, right, buddy. Huh? Look at that. I know, right? Oh man, you must suck to follow you on Instagram. Listening, uh, cannot see the adorableness that is my dog. This is, I'm not gonna like flip into no, some, there's no okay. news in there. That, uh, <laughs> okay, that's always the uh, you ever have just that the one? dog so looking through your pictures and you're like, whoa. I not did. that one. Well, it was embarrassing. I was trying to show someone a trailer, and I was in a meeting, and I opened up my laptop, and there's always that moment of, like, what was the last thing I was looking at? Yeah. I, was, I was safe. I opened it up, but I did start to type in YouTube, and YouPorn, <laughs> YouPorn popped up. Yep. Sure. I go to YouPorn a lot more than YouTube. 
So you know, just to see, just to just to see if they switch to HTML5, would it play on your iPad? It does. I hope you've flicked the picture, and then there's a picture of the dog holding its vagina open. It's like. Still be adorable. Somehow it's paws are spreading it. Yep, that's great. Just the tiny, just gingerly spreading (laughs) the doggy sniz. How about that Ojai though? Isn't that a great place? Uh, It was great. It was the first time I'd been there. Yeah, I just uh, went for the first time recently. I was like, I this is so close. I didn't realize how close it was too. And that was the thing. It was like an hour and ten minutes. You always hear people going, "Oh, we're going to Ojai." You're like, "Oh, that's like probably three hours away." There's so many good things an hour and ten minutes away from LA. Yeah, white people uh, the other talking white things yes. is an hour and ten minutes away. Yeah. Going to Santa Monica is an hour and ten minutes. I found out hour yeah, and a half the today. Valley to Santa Monica. When I start talking about Santa Monica, I'm, rela- I'm reminded of Blaine Capatch's throwaway when he starts making uh, references to the city he's in on stage. Local references get you local work. <laughs> uh, Darren, um, you uh, th- thank you for Saw. I fucking yeah. love. Saw. First of all. Carrie Elwes, is it Elwes? Elways. 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 Yeah. I always said Elwes. Like I always kind of fudged the last part of it, not yeah. really know Elwes. Yeah. And it just yeah. trailed off. And Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah. It was a. Uh, it was a cool. It was crazy. It was. Um. I'd been out in L.A. Uh, just like f- four years. I'd been fired off every job I'd ever had. I worked on X Files. I was fired from it. I worked on. Uh, uh, Van Wilder, I was Tara Reid's assistant, fired. Uh, <laughs> what did you do on X Files? I was a PA. Oh, you were a PA. Uh, I was a PA, yeah. And so, like, I was literally going from one PA job to the next. Did Tara really... Reid ever read for Saw? Uh, she did not read for Saw. <gasps> um, that would have been amazing. That would have been kind of epic, actually, thinking back on it. You uh, could have hired her and then fired, fired her fired day her. one. I remember the day that I, I, this is like something you think is a cliche, but I was really told this. I was uh, on the set of Van Wilder and I'd been fired off the three movies before that. And they knew that when they hired me, like I'd begged my way to get in there and they fired me. And it was like, I guess Tara didn't uh, like my attitude or something. And I actually was told the line, uh, this is your fourth time you're being fired off a major thing. You will never work in Hollywood again. (laughs) And I literally went home and cried myself to sleep in a vodka induced slumber. And, uh, I just got really angry, and I wrote like the most angry, bitter script that I could write. Uh, at the time, it was called The Desperate, which was uh, about me being desperate in life. And uh, it was, I literally tried to make the most offensive thing I could possibly write in the horror genre. And uh, we sent it out. Everyone rejected it. They were like, this is terrible. This is ridiculous. You will really never work you in this will, business now, again. Now it's really, it's really over. That's five, Darren. Yeah. So uh, I made a fake management company. I made a fake phone number and had a friend <laughs> record the thing. And I used my friends and agencies to uh, literally create fake buzz on this script that I wrote. And next thing I knew, I got a phone call from Twisted Pictures saying we want to turn this script into Saw 2. And then it kept me into Saw 2, 3, and 4. Never directed anything before that, really. And uh, I really kind of bullshitted my way into that first meeting. And uh, the rest uh, the rest continued to happen after that. So it was kind of crazy. That's great. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really hard with horror movies to surprise people yeah. and the and the saw movies really were that when you're like oh you really kind of have you know yeah every once in a while like one comes along where you're like no but this really does kind of because t- well, it's so hard to find twists came, within that genre yeah and it came out during i think like uh the the towards the end of the teen well it did you know yeah. what actually started like that kind of hardcore whatever was house of a thousand corpses I oh think yeah that, that was like one of the first like it started to get really raw back then and like the zombie brought it back to being like crazy and and hardcore which again. was so funny because you know when when he was making that movie I, I remember when we were making the movie Universal was really high on it. They 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 doubled it. You know, like we, you know, he didn't. They didn't give him a lot of money to make it the first time. We kind of we shot one ending, and then he was like, "Well, they wanna. They like the movie. They're they're doubling our budget just so we can reshoot the last like fifteen minutes." 
And so we went in and it got way more like the original ending of uh, Yeah, the original yeah. ending of House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, like my character just gets basically torn apart in a cave. Like that was a cheap <laughs> And then so all the money, it, it didn't look like the rest of the movie, like these elaborate bone walls right, and yeah. fucking the Dr. Satan layer. And yeah. there was there wasn't I'm not even sure there was much of a Dr. Satan in the first version. <laughs> and then all this, you know, and then I think that was right around the time the Columbine shooting happened. Yeah. And so all of Hollywood was like, films are too violent. And so they um, uh, they basically said we're never going to release. How long was it from when you guys finished it to when actually it was put out by Alliance? We started. I started talking to Rob, and it was like '99. Rob said, "I think I'm going to write a movie, and I, you know, yeah. I, you, should, you should be in it." And we shot it in 2000, and it didn't come out till 2003. Because you know, it got trapped wow. at Universal for yeah. a while. They weren't going to do anything with it. And then finally he wrestled it away through Lionsgate and they released it in 2003. Because I think that that was, that was the thing. It was like 2003 and then I think two, Saw 1 came out in 2004 or 5 and then mine was 6, 7, and 8 after that. And then they kind of died off like two or three years after that, after like the last Hostel 2, that kind of torture, yeah. really violent, vicious movies. Well, they gave uh, it the, ter- what was it, torture, torture porn? Torture porn, yeah. yeah. Which I still don't get. But Way to go, Eli Roth. Yeah. Uh, but what's but funny? What I was, oh. No, you. I was, <laughs> <laughs> was going to say what I, I liked about that time, though, was that, like, you know, and what I liked about uh, what Eli Roth did in House of Wars, it, it started off, like, being, like, this clean, kind of like, yeah. oh, this is just a bunch of fucking... College gorgeous, road trip, this, and then, yeah. These gorgeous people are going to... Yeah. And then, like, how fucking just the turn happens, and that's what I also liked about Saw. Just I was like, oh, this is just fucking gross. This reminds me of the stuff I grew up watching, where yeah. this is blood. So I'm an, I'm an idiot. You didn't come in until part two. Uh, yeah, Saw 2, 3, and 4 um, were the ones that I did, but I was actually hired on Saw 1. It was crazy. Um, so when they, bought, when they bought my script, it was going to be its own movie, The Desperate. They were actually going to make it as The Desperate, and they just completed proto- uh, photography on uh, Saw 1. It was at Sundance. It would not come out yet. And then they said, you know, we think this is going to be something. We want to turn this into Saw 2. So I was on Saw 2 before Saw was ever out there. Um, and then I remember getting the phone call the day Saw opened, and I realized how big it was. I don't think anyone expected that. And they've attached me to the sequel, and it blew up. And so all of a sudden, like, I really hit the money tra- on that because, like, <laughs> here I was going to be directing some probably straight-to-video movie. And uh, I, I get the phone call that Saw 1 opens huge, and I'm for, like, two months, I'm freaking out. They're going to fire me. Like, they're going to fire me. They're going to bring in some big-ass director. Eli's going to come in, or Rob Zombie's going to come in and, <laughs> and do this. But they, uh, they let me stay on. And so... Uh, I mean, but I know Carrie, though, from, you know, the, the Saul family is this very kind of tight family. And it's crazy. We keep using the same actors. They are coming back. So uh, it was uh, it was insane how quickly everything happened. I mean, it, it literally I went from being penniless, bro- the classic, I mean, the classic cliche uh, of thinking it was going to move back to Kansas where I was from and go back to farming or something. And then that phone call came in and it, literally within like a week's period of time from having zero dollars in my bank account. I didn't really make much on Saul 2, pretty much zero as well. But going from doing nothing and getting fired to being in Toronto filming the movie. Oh my god. So, yeah, it was pretty uh, it was pretty crazy. That's awesome. Is there uh, you know w- I think one of the big challenges with the movie like Saw is that it all it all not only I mean there's the sort of fun part is like you know what kind of Rube Goldberg killing yeah. machines can we make? There's a, there's a there's a bit there's a bit to it that's kind of sciency. Yeah. And also this this sort of sort of social experiment of like I'm going to test these people you know like that's all that's all fun yeah. the mythos of it. It was crazy when we were making a uh, on from Saw 2 on I don't know about Saw 1 but from Saw 2 on one of the uh, 
we had a checklist on the traps and they all had to work. That was one of the things we made for ourselves that they actually had to work the way we depict them in the movie. And so literally everything in Saw 2, 3, and 4 really works the way you see it. So oh. if a guy's arm's twisting, it, it really, the machine really works the way you see it does, like everything. And so one of the things was you had to be able to build it from Home Depot. Like you had to be able to go to oh, Home neat. Depot and buy everything that you see there in it. Um, and it was crazy because on, I think it was Saw, and this is horrible that I mixed the Saw movies up. I, it's been, my mind is, I guess, too much pot or something. But uh, they... Uh, or money. Uh, yeah, that, that's not it. <laughs> Rolling uh, the pot in money. money. Oh, I, gotcha. I smoke money. Yeah. That's pretty much what I do now. <laughs> um, but one of them, I think it was Saw 3, there, there's a character who twists to death. This trap is he's, he's attached to a machine and the machine turns one, like one clock rotation and it twists him off. And I remember that when we did that, it, uh, the stuntman gets in it and it literally was doing that. And we had to quickly pull it from the car. We had to attach like a car battery because it was really doing that. And it really would have worked. Uh, that way. So there was some, some close calls. You can't That's buy awesome. publicity like that. Whoops. The worst one was in Saw 2, there was a scene where we throw Shawnee Smith into a pit of hypodermic needles. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that one was, that was horrific because literally um, when we came up with the idea, it was, we were going to just put a bunch of, needles and throw in our bathtub we're like that's not visual enough let's make a pit so we had a thousand needles and a thousand needles doesn't cover a quarter of the bottom so it ended up that we ended up having to hire five or six people for weeks literally taking off the uh the top of the needle and putting in a fiber optic thing and throwing it in there so we're getting ready to shoot the scene maybe 20 30 000 needles are in there and the prop people accidentally kicked in a thing of real needles oh something like fuck. Six, six real needles we had to stop production and pull out. And it, talking about finding a needle in a haystack, we literally had to find the six normal needles in these twenty to thirty thousand uh, fiber optic needles. Uh, so there was some uh, there was some scary stuff. I'm there sure you had fudged it a bit. Though, oh, right? yeah. oh, here yeah. it is. Yeah. I mean, how much how much damage could six needles yeah. really yeah. do? Well, uh, it'd be fine. Yeah, you jump yeah. on it and lands in it. Yeah. Gets like a Just little oxygen right. in your blood and yeah. you die. But but the challenge, you know, the challenge with. Um, with a with a with a, a franchise like Saw versus you know like a, a typical a typical horror movie is that there always has to be some sort of a like a, a, a reveal that you don't see coming. It's a magic trick, and that's what that's what's hard, and that's like why I eventually had to to, to to leave on Saw Saw Four. It became to the point that uh, it hurts. It hurts to think about because it's like a magic trick. You're trying to trick the audience. You're showing right. them something over here, and in the meantime, you're trying to pull something on them. And it got to a point that by Saw 3 and 4, fans were coming in trying to guess the trick. And, and not paying attention to the movie. Yeah, they weren't paying attention. And you then hear that, M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> <laughs> you, would, uh, you, would, you would start seeing message boards light up of people guessing the end of the movie. And it, it, it became so, as a director, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a, a masochist. I would always read the message boards. Oh, and I'd be like, dude, this guy got it. The guy got <laughs> it. He's just spoiling the movie right there. And it got, it got so aggravating. I don't, you know, it's like I love the twist uh, that happened in the Saw movies. But my favorite part was... Um, because a lot of the situations in the Saw movies were like the dream situations in like Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, where yeah. Like it was just, but it was like, because it wasn't a dream, because it was real is what yeah. made those so, I loved them so much. Because they were just as crazy as something Freddie would do. Like, you know, uh, I remember the, uh, was it part uh, six? I don't remember any of them. So just oh, yeah. But like, he has, the guy needs an ear. Dream Warriors is the best. Yeah. Uh, dream Warriors is four. four. Uh, uh, dream Child five, probably the worst one. Right. I think this is six. Uh, where the kid like then has new a hearing head. Uh, oh no, you're talking about. I thought you were talking about the Saw movies. I don't oh, remember no. those. You're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry, like, uh, yeah. Those movies I know. Uh, like he puts a hearing aid in. Yeah, and then like turned, and uh, it turns into yeah. like a bug yeah. and it amplifies everything. Yeah. I, just, the, oh, oh, I just, I just love that. Just, 
I just love that uh, that part where I think it's I think it's in Dream Warriors where Jennifer Rubin's a recovering heroin addict and then she just gets those tiny mouths on her arms and then he just fucking sticks the, hit the glove oh, turns into three. needles. That's three. That's yeah. wait. That's Dream Warriors. Three, Dream three, is, three, three is Dream Warriors. They, they jumped. Three is Dream Warriors. Yeah. They jumped the shark and they came back on. I think it was the one where Wes Craven came back and everyone. New Nightmare. New Nightmare. New Nightmare. Yeah. yeah. I was I was a fan of that. I, I love that I too. too. I love that. Yeah. It's like it was it. Really scared me. Sorry it to really say was. this, but I didn't love the Jackie Earl Haley one because yeah. yeah. I think you have to. Freddie has to be. I think they were it like has to be a likable child <laughs> rape murderer. <laughs> well, he just That's he, the problem he with just, Freddie. He, he just has to be a little cheeky and cheesy and not like yeah. I'm a serious you know. Yeah. And Jackie Earl Haley, who was definitely one of the best actors working today, it was still just a weird. I think when everyone heard he was going to be Freddie, it was like, okay, I can see that. I, I was excited, and I was, yeah, you're right. There is a bit of, um, but that's the... It should have been his character those in Dark the, Shadows that those played. Those are the hardest <laughs> movies to, to remake, because there's such nostalgia growing up watching yep. watching those movies. I've done a remake. I, I originally said I was never going to do a remake, and then it got to the point, the only way I'll do a remake is if it wasn't popular, like if it was not a hugely... Like I did a, a movie called Mother's Day which with Rebecca DeMorne. Of course. No. And uh, that was a trauma film. And it, it's a fun trauma film, but it's not a movie that you're going to get killed or raped over if you uh, fuck up Fred. I mean, Freddy is something we've grown up with. We, yeah. uh, we've lived with this dude. And then to see Jack here... And by the way, I saw Dark Shadows last yeah. night. Uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. <laughs> I, it was cool, and then I fell asleep like like an hour in. Well, it, was, it, it beat the original Dark Shadows by being cool. At first, because <laughs> yeah. they had the, when I was a kid uh, at this video store in uh, Wakefield, they had there was a wall of dark shadows because they had released the soap opera on yeah. volumes. There was seventy eight volumes of videotapes. But that's the thing; it's not only a remake; uh, it's like a movie yeah. version yeah, of yeah, a yeah. show. It's a reimagining, you know? yeah. yeah. But it's 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 the Brady Bunch, you know, thing of no, like let, let work. Wait, was the original? Because I I own the the DVD box set of, of Dark Shadows, but yeah. I've never watched it. Is is it as cheeky and like no 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 no, no 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 no? It was like a '70s no. soap opera, but he just happened to be General Hospital, but with but he was a vampire. Yeah. Like that, that, mm. the pitch was soap. I'm sure the pitch was like soap operas are popular. Dracula is popular. Let's do soap opera Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Less. I don't know if Dracula is still popular. Lou, I'm gonna prove it. And <laughs> <laughs> it's Les and Lou in their gold jackets, sharing the same cigar. Of course. And then backing into each other like the end of Requiem for a Dream. I'm sorry, I took yeah, this in a weird yeah. direction. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, Dark Shadows is originally. I mean, it'd be like if someone made, you know, General Hospital, but then like a super cheeky version. Yeah. Oh, like I think True General Blood. Hospital is the super cheeky version of General Hospital. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess that's true. No, oh, Port no, Charles. The, uh, Port Charles is. No, what yeah. was the uh, the really spin-off. magical uh, the one with the the dwarf and the lady who was a witch? It was a soap opera. That was on NBC. Uh, oh, you're talking about um, uh, you're talking about motherfucking um, fuck the soap opera. Yeah. Yes, and what? there was the somethings. It was uh, yeah. recently. And that, yeah, like, yes, yes, like yeah. no, like ten years ago. Ten years ago. I remember it was a big deal when the the guy died. The little the little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, are you talking about the uh, fantasy? Not fantasy. Uh, the um. God damn it! Everyone's oh, the yelling internet at their is, Everyone's iPods. yelling at their fucking. No, I know you're talking about now. As if anyone's still listening to this on an iPod. Am I it's right, like guys? somethings. It's like a word, and it's a pluralized. I think. Yeah, and there was a witch lady who had the little And then there's like and then there's like long storylines that have nothing to do with the yeah. witch lady. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I just put in soap opera and I started to write witch. I just put witch lady soap opera. And then I got soap <laughs> opera with midget. Sorry for using that word. That's Google. Uh yeah, sure. And that's uh and so it? it's passions. 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 Oh my god. 
Uh, I feel like I just got a piece of food out of my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I almost got it. I you almost got it. In, a, in, in the past, it would have just been like, oh, man, did anyone ever figure out what that thing no, was? No, and we no, never no, no. talked. Like, we just talk about it every night at the I bar. I feel like you and I are going to the library. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you, but, then, but then you also made uh, Repo. Uh, yeah, Jenna Gabra yeah. as well. Yeah. I've, uh, it's crazy. When I, when I came out here, I was a huge fan of Rocky Horror, and uh, I loved like those kind of crazy, culty rock operas. And that's a hard thing to get off the ground. I mean, it's one thing when you go and say, I want to direct a horror film. That's easy. Horror films are quantifiable. You can you can show a formula how they're going to make money. But you walk in and say, I want to make a rock opera. And oh, by the way, Paris Hilton's in it. And whatever. <laughs> uh, it was funny because when I went in to pitch it, I pit, after Saw 2 came out, I, I went in the Lionsgate and they said, anything you want to make, what is it you want to do? And uh, Saw 2 was extremely popular, so I really had a, a blank slate. I said, I want to make a rock opera. And they said, absolutely not. You're doing Saw 3. <laughs> <laughs> so, Saw As three a rock opera? You said anything yeah. you want. So Saw 3 comes out. It opens very profitable. And they said, okay, Darren, now we're serious. Whatever you want to make. And I said, repo the genetic opera. And they said, absolutely not Saw 4. <laughs> and so finally I said, I, we made a deal. I said, oh, you know, let's do Saw 4, but we're making this rock opera. And uh, <laughs> so they allowed me to do it. And it was crazy. It was... Um, it was like a weird mismatch of, I want to do a movie that you just kind of scratch your head and say, what the fuck? When you see the poster, you see like Paul Servino, Sarah Brightman. And if you, Sarah Brightman is like a world-renowned like opera star. She was married to uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. She was uh, yeah, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. She is like, she is the world. And so you have a song between Sarah Brightman and Paris Hilton. That should never happen. That, that is something that should <laughs> never happen. And that's what made it cool. We ended up getting um, a bunch of genre actors. Bill Mosley was in it. Oh, yeah, uh, Mosley. Uh, uh, Ogre from Skinny Puppy. Chopped up. Um, Anthony Stewart head from Buffy. It was a crazy cast, and it, it failed miserably when uh, when we tested the movie. And in testing, it was horrible. We had to test the movie in Chatsworth, and there were no visual <laughs> effects done, and there was no music. Well, first done. of all, you had to go to Chatsworth. Well, yeah. that's yeah, that's that already started off bad. Uh, but if you've ever tested a movie, I mean, you know that like that that one audience dictates everything, and like what they're going to score you at. And so here I had a rock opera, and it had fifty six songs. There was no talking; it was only singing. And we had to test it without the music in it. So they're like, you're testing the movie. And I'm like, but, but there's no music in it yet. And they're like, it's fine. And so we had to put scratch tracks. So literally, there's uh. no instrumentation. It's just like click, click, click. And then someone would sing with no instrumentation. And there were oh, no my effects. God. Visual effect movie. So we tested like one. Like it was it was terrible. Like And they, they recruited the, the, the test screening as from the director of Saw 2, 3, and 4, from Bill Mosley of House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Texas Chainsaw 2, Bring You a New Experiment in Terror. And there's nothing scary about Repo at all. And so uh, we, we failed miserably. We were we were basically thrown out in one theater and uh, or two theaters, and I got really angry. And I was like, I, I went into Lionsgate and I said, guys, I've made you guys a lot of money on the Saw films. Give me the movie back. Let me take the movie back. And they, you know, that luckily I had a relationship with them, and they gave me the movie for a month to do what I wanted to with it, where I could like tour it around. And I literally got in a in a car with the the writer. We started going across America in four walling theaters. And next thing we knew. Uh, Lionsgate called us and said we're getting calls from theaters all across America wanting this thing because it became like a midnight cult thing where people started dressing up. And that's what you wanted. It is. You kind of had to go through that for that to happen. No, it was amazing. And you know what? If I could do it again, this is it's the absolute best thing because if it went out in 3,000 screens, it would have gotten Razzies. It would have won. It would have it would have failed miserably. People would have laughed at it. But because it came underground and culty, um, people had to seek it out. They had to try to find it. And it became this thing that you went to at midnight on Friday and Saturday nights. People got drunk. They dressed up. But by that time, the, but, but by that time, the mythos of the film has had some time to percolate. And yeah. people aren't going thinking they're seeing a horror film. And no, they're like, exactly. wait, what is that? You know, like, it's, it's, that, it's that gap between their expectation and what it is. Yeah. Or a musical version of the movie Repo Man, which yeah. I thought it was for a second when <laughs> well, I first saw yeah, the poster. That, that, that's a whole other story. That's a, that's a crazy story. We, um, I'll get into that in a second. We, when we made Repo... 
we were finishing it and Repo Men was calling our crew, trying to offer our crew money to come on their thing. It was just weird. We, we had the same soundstage. We, had, we were on the same soundstage. And our Repo at the Genetic Opera is based on a stage play that, that I directed in 2001. It was, it was before that. It was actually made, I think, in 1999. Um, two dudes, a guy named Darren Smith and Terrence Adunich, did it as a, like a, they did it in coffee houses, and it was a 10-minute opera about a guy who repossessed organs. And so from 1999 until about 2002, 2003, they did it in coffee houses. And then I was the first thing I ever directed when I got to L.A. I directed the stage show of it. And so you know I did that in 2003, I believe it was. And then it went off and did a couple other uh, showings, including Off Off Broadway. It's a theatrical stage show. So you know we were doing this for 10 years. And then all of a sudden I find out, we thought it was awesome. Like, oh, we're doing organ repossession. No one's done this. And then we find out, hey, sharing your soundstage right there is another movie called Repo Men about organ repossession in the future and buying and selling on credit. <sighs> it was a it was a crazy thing. Yeah. How many how many repo based uh, things are ever going to get well, made? That's and the thing is like you hear like Repo like, Man, Repo Men, Repo the Genetic Opera. That's yeah. it. That's it. There's going to be that's it. That's yeah. uh, we've run the gamut on the repo stuff. But uh, <laughs> it was crazy because that led me now I think to my most uh, it. it that made me a filmmaker, I think, Repo. I, I learned a lot during the Salt films, but to me, what I've done, we just finished a movie, um, comes on DVD October 23rd, called The Devil's Carnival, which is what I'm the most excited about. It's um, After Repo, I had such an amazing experience because unlike Saw, where on and, and Saw, I get a I get a uh, itinerary from Lionsgate, and it says, here's our press day, here's the screening, and that's it. And that literally what I would do. I'd show up at the press day, you do junkets, and you sit around tables, and you drive down Sunset Boulevard and you see posters saying, hey, come see Saw. It's in the theaters October, whatever. With Repo, there were no posters. There was nothing. There was no PR team. It was us. And so what we did is we turned to the fans. And I literally turned to my fans and I said, guys, help us. We have no publicity. Come see this thing. And we empowered the fans. Next thing we knew, the fans took it over like Rocky. And they started, you know, they started flyering their cities. They started making bumper stickers and putting it on things. And I saw how the, this community basically embraced this movie that was like the bastard child. So, uh... After I finished my last film, I, I just did. I said, I want to make another rock opera, but I want to own it and control it completely. I'm not going through the studio system. So we raised financing completely independently around the studios. We cast it completely independently. Didn't go through any casting directors. I just called people I knew. Um, and we went off and shot it. And we made this 60-minute weird hybrid short film where we then toured it for the last 60. I've been on the road for the last 60-some days. Uh, we four-walled 60 cities. And we turned it into like a traveling sideshow. We brought um, carnies with us, literally. We brought uh, opening acts, burlesque dancers, fire eaters, glass eaters, uh, contortionists. And we had like live elements. So when you show up to the theater... The whole you, thing. You had, yeah, you had, you had like an opening act. You had an MC, like a carny barker. Like a Jim Rose traveling it was, circus. It was exactly yeah. what it was. And we, uh, so we, we did this all across America. And uh, every night was different. Every night we had someone new. We had like X-rated clowns. And we, it was a very adult-oriented... What is an X-rated clown? Well, uh, hmm. you know what? I think you I can fill in the you know, you know, actually, it's not, it's not as cool as you think it is Just at all. pulling a, like, a bunch yeah. of scarves out of a vagina? Yeah, it's not. It's not. They tore the R-rated hypnotist. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we did this all across America. And then the same thing. We decided, screw it. We did this. Let's distribute it ourselves, which I've never in a million years thought about doing. Um, and it's amazing because... I now, for the first time ever, have more control as a filmmaker and artist that I control the box art, I control the trailers, I control where it goes and how it's seen. And, and it made this kind of like really crazy outside of the studio system thing. And it's been the most rewarding, cool thing that I think I've done. And it's, uh, 
I think a lot of filmmakers are scared to try that kind of thing. They're scared to step outside of the system. But the minute you do it, you actually see that you can be successful doing it. It's only a matter of time before people start doing it. Well, so you think that's the main reason that people are just afraid? To, like, why don't more people? I mean, you, I, but you had you had a bit of a resume going that's, into that's this. The thing. I, I was at a, an advantage because I had done the Saw films. And I had a fan base, but I think. Um, I think it's scary because it's a lot of work, that you, a lot of bullshit work you don't want to do. Like an example, we're distributing the DVDs ourselves. Now that doesn't sound hard until you actually break it down what that means. Like I have to now deal with SAG residuals and DGA residuals and ASCAP residuals and dealing contracts and E&O insurance, stuff that as a filmmaker I've never had to do before. Um, so the mountains of paperwork, but what's great about it is when the whole thing's said and done, I'm not giving a distributor 25 or 30% for literally just putting a box out somewhere. Like I'm putting the box out and I'm taking back that 25 and 30%. Um, what also cool is there's been movies that I've done recently that I look at the trailer when it's out there and I want to throw up. I'm like, who put that trailer out there? That's horrible. That's not what the movie is. And as a filmmaker, you can't do anything. Like you're kind of, you, you finish a movie and you turn it in and you're like, hopefully it gets released. I mean, something like House of a Thousand Corpses is held for years and you guys as the filmmakers and actors, you can't do anything. You're just, you're <laughs> sitting there waiting for this fucking movie to come out and years pass and you can't do anything. Same thing with Mother's Day. I, I did Mother's Day. I turned it in. And it was three years. Three years from the day I turned it in to it was ever released in theaters. And it sucks because, like, you know, your friends, other genre people, they're like, hey, what's up with Mother's Day? Oh, it's coming out. And you wait a year. What's up with Mother's Day? Oh, it's coming out. And then finally on the third year, they're like, hey, I downloaded your movie on a torrent site because uh. it's not out yet. And then finally, three years later, it comes out. And it's just like, that sucks. So this, what's cool about this and Devil's Carnival is since we control everything, we control how it gets out and how quickly it gets out. There's none of that like politics of having to wait years to do it. So it's been an exhilarating experience. Well, you know, and so much of those those systems, it's it's there's this kind of weird level of I I figured out, and, and I apologize if this is anyone's position who is in the podcast because I don't fully blame them, but there's this area there's this level of middle management that is just like a fucking roadblock. Oh yeah. For everything that makes it impossible <laughs> to get anything done, they're always the first line of defense to tell you no about something. And if you can get past them somehow, usually the person who's really in charge will be like, "Oh yeah, that's fine." That's exactly. There's, there's an entire group of people when you're making a movie that are there just to say, "Go fuck yourself." They'll <laughs> say no to you. And uh, sometimes the people that don't take pride in what they do, and I don't care what it is, be it a janitor or a producer that's financing a movie, you got to like what you're doing. And I think a lot of these people are bitter or angry um, because they either want to be artists, they want to make movies, they want to be actors. And so they watch you doing it and you just get attitude. And I, I, it got to a point that I just got so fed up with just being told no. i being told what's commercial and what's not commercial. I make weird rock operas. They're not for everybody. They're not. I understand that 75, maybe 85% of the population will hate them. But that doesn't mean that 15 to 25% are not going to support them and spend lots of money to see them. And I think that, to me, I've always been more attracted to that kind of fringe, outside-of-the-box thing. And it's, it's been insane because I went from Saw, which is a hugely successful commercial horror film, to making weird rock operas starring Paris Hilton and Paul Servino, which, what the fuck is that? <laughs> um, but I love that. I love being able to bounce between the two. Next week, I, or this week, actually, I have a movie opening with Stephen Moyer from True Blood. So I'm getting to play both sides of the both sides of the fence here, getting to do my own indie crazy stuff and then still getting to do movies like that with Stephen Moyer. So it's been, it's been crazy. I'm st I still think you've got to call Tara Reed in for something. Oh my God. That was, he was especially crazy. now. I mean, she's a <laughs> mess. She's kicking a dog while it's down. <laughs> um, it is, it was, uh, that was an insane thing on Van Wilder. Ryan Reynolds was one of the nicest dudes, um, at, at that time, because I'm on PA and I'm I'm so excited to be on set, and he's so nice and like just just you know very engaging. And then I'm basically Tara Reed's assistant. And my job consisted at the time of 
either holding her cigarette or a Diet Coke can. Or like, and it was just insane. Like, sometimes both. Sometimes this, yes. But she never knew my name, and it was Daryl, Devin, Derek, and it, it just got, it just got to, it got to a point that I was just like, my name is Darren. Look at me, say it, say it. That's why I was fired. <laughs> <laughs> my, name is, my name is Darren. So, and I'm sure she would have no recollection. And, and I've been at parties where I've seen her, and I so much wanted to go up and say something to her, but I don't even know how to start that conversation. Like, you just go up and go, what's my name? Yeah, exactly. Do you remember my name? Say it. Say my name. Say my name. You, you, you hold the cigarette and a diet coke. You're like, say, say, bring back memories. This it was also weird because I think she was. There was the time that her and Carson Daly were, were dating, and so yeah. was, I was oh, always yeah. here with that. So there was all kinds of drama on that. Such whole. an interesting couple because you know Carson is uh, Carson is such a nice. I mean, I don't know Tara Reid at all. She might be. You know, there are some people in the business. You couldn't even finish that sentence. I know. Shut up, man. <laughs> there, but there, there are some people. You just never know what people are really like until you work for them or are in a relationship with them. Yeah, and so. You know, I you know maybe she's the nicest person in the world. Other people, but I don't know. But Carson, super super sweet guy, and I was always like, what an interesting couple. Yeah, the two of them. I don't know. It would be it would be interesting for me to go back and and talk to her now. Now that all this time has passed, was was she really the big bitch that I thought she was, or was it me again being that angry bitter? I was talking angry bitter people. I was that angry bitter person when I was a PA. Maybe a little from a little both columns. Yeah, a little. You know, a little a, a little I mean, like it just you you might have activated more of that because you didn't want to take her shit. But if you had took her shit, you might not have had the the gumption to be like, well, fuck, I'm just going to write my own thing. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's, there's a certain thing that, um, my uh, my manager Alex says he's, he calls it the fire in the belly is that, you know? Yeah. So when you get really hard on yourself or when you get crazy, he was like, it's okay. You got the fire in the belly. Just make sure you're aiming it in the right, just make sure you're using yeah. it the right way. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of the times that I was, a lot of the times that I was fired, though, I completely deserved it. Like on X, <laughs> on X Files, this is one of my favorite ones, and by favorite, I mean it's terrible and it's embarrassing. But um, as a PA, one of your jobs is locking down a set, and that's your job is to make sure that uh, no one's making noise. You're not having someone wander in the middle of a, the middle of a frame. And it was the last season of X Files when it was Robert Patrick, so mm-hmm. it was Julian and Robert, and we were down under uh, some underground thing, and there was like a tunnel. And I, my job was the first line of defense that uh, no one stumbled in front of the camera. And it was a long night, and I decided it would be better to, to fall asleep. And I took a nap, like literally on a cot. And uh, a homeless dude in his shopping cart went right through the frame, right through the, right through the middle of the shot. And Robert Patrick screamed, who's locking down the set? Who's locking down the set? And they, everyone points to me, and I'm like asleep in the corner of the place, sleeping <laughs> on a pillow. And that was, uh, so I deserve to be fired on that one. That was that's amazing. Uh, maybe maybe the though. homeless man sleep. was an alien. The truth yeah. is out there. Yeah, it really is out there. Sometimes he went down and yelling at him. So, I mean, come on. And then he shot Robert Patrick, and then his head his head just reformed around the... I just watched X-Files 2, <clears> the, uh, the movie recently. Yeah, the standalone, the standalone yeah, movie. What happened? Like, it seemed like that was like a weird... That was a Monster of the Week movie. That wasn't really yeah, any sort of continuation. Yeah, I know. It wasn't a bad... It wasn't a bad thing. I just, after X-Files won the movie, and then, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, then waiting, what, six, seven years? Yeah. Yeah. I just saw, I just, I was just on a... 14. I just, David Duchovny was, uh, was it 14? 98. Oh, yeah. David Duchovny was just on a plane, and I was coming back from New York, and he was... End of story. He was on the plane. David Duchovny was on a plane. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Enjoy your burrito. But, but he, you know, I mean, listen... I, obviously, David Duchovny, I, I, I've always, I mean, of course, he's a big, you know, he's a big yeah. but fucking everyone who got on the plane would just could not take their eyes off that guy. He's as they very were. handsome. He seemed perfectly nice, too. I didn't talk to him, but he was very polite to the staff, and he he's seemed really it. cool. 
little <laughs> he does he really he really has a thing but still like you know after all these years he just has this fucking thing is Californication like, still on TV yes yeah, I think is. it is I haven't seen it coming back very good. soon I think yeah yeah I like Californication do you watch it Jonah Never, I've only seen clips I watched oh. the first couple oh, seasons yeah. and then I think I just got to a certain point where I was like it's funny. It's cool. It I, li- I like all the Naked. I like all the actors on it. Naked, but I feel like I know what's going to happen in most of the episodes. We did a movie that was very similar to that, where he was like a writer uh, at a te- like a Red Shoe Diaries. No, no, it was, uh, it was <laughs> no. He a movie was just reading was, uh, people's fantasies. He was like a guy that wrote a book, but was teaching out of college and like ha- having sex with a bunch of students. Oh, I missed that one. Yeah, it was a very similar movie. When did TV replace? For me, at least, TV recently has replaced going to the movies. There's so many amazing TV shows. I, I can't even leave my house now. Like it's. It's hard it's to really, keep up. No, it really has. It happened it's in between. 1999 with The Sopranos. It, st- it started. It started. Happen. Well, you could go farther back and say it started Dream with Dream On. Dream On. That was good. That's exactly oh, where I was. Going. Was a half was hour. It ben, was it a bit? But what's the guy? Brian Benben. Brian Benben. Yeah. yeah. His best friend works out at my gym, and I always want to go over and say something to him. I His best like, friend friend. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, but between between Breaking Bad and Boardwalk Empire and Homeland and all these, I it's, like it's Dexter hard. too. Oh, Dexter, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. You got your Mad Men. You got your Walking yeah. Dead. You got yeah. your you fucking. Uh, I'm sorry. What was that last one? I don't. Is, was, 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 zombies um, take over the. Oh, it's, it's you mean place the pre-show for Talking Dead? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, we were already it. doing Talking Dead, and then they were like, we should probably build a show that, <laughs> that exists. Yeah. I just thought it'd be funny to do a show about a fake zombie show, and they're like, and then Robert Kirkman was like, yeah, I think maybe I should write a show around this. I just yeah. don't have an hour of time to watch the show. That's why I just get the the, yeah, the, beat. the cliff notes. Yeah. I'm like, what does Aisha Tyler think about this episode? <laughs> and they tell me. It's fu- I fucking... I, Man, I fucking love. We're coming back. I'm so excited about that show. I fucking love that show. So much. Do you yeah, read the comics? Do you read the Walking Dead comics? I do. I have the first. I have the first two big volumes. The and compendiums. Then, yeah. Then it would kind of. Uh, that's such a time commitment. I, I I try to read every comic, but those. Uh, it was crazy because I didn't read the class. One of the classics. Um, I had a, my first comic book series published and I was so excited and like I started doing interviews and people would ask me about comics and I'd be like, dude, I just had, I gotta read these. So I went back and got like Watchmen and From Hell and, and The Walking Dead and all this. Next thing I knew, like I didn't realize how dense they were. Like From Hell took me like weeks and weeks to get through and then Watchmen, like I thought that was going to be an easy book and then I realized next thing I know I'm a month and a half in. Now I'm doing Sandman. Yep. So I'm That's, going back uh, and forth between Sandman and Walking Dead right now. So yeah. It's, well, I just, uh, <clears throat> I was three issues behind and something I'm I'm not going to give any big spoilers away, but something happens in issue 100 that is so fucking disturbing that it it is just the the did you read it yet? No, not yet. I'm, waiting for, the, I'm, waiting, for, I'm waiting for the trade. It's ass. just the the uh, <laughs> the 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 sort of the gunk of what happened just sat with me. Yeah. For so wait, how many episodes? A couple how of many, days. How many issues are there right now? 102. So they're on 102. Yeah. All right. I have those big, uh, I don't even know what they're called. The Compendium? Big, yeah. Well, there's so. different like levels of collections. There's, there's like, like the trade paperback, like and then there's, there's the, the compendium, then there's like the massive ones. No, 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 because there's a one in between there that has like about three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine is like, it's like, I want to say it's like 200 pages. I mean, it's big, and I have two volumes. Of that must big. be the compendium. Yeah, that's the compendium. Yeah, because right. there's also the hardcover ones have. that like have like three or four issues in them. What's your favorite uh, comic series? Would it be Walking Dead? Comic book? Um, I'm not as much of a comic nerd as dummy. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I've been reading, I've been reading a lot of comics lately, yeah. but not, I mean, yeah. I couldn't go, I mean, I have a list of ones that I want to read. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying some of the, I enjoyed that. We talked about the, the new 52. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. I'm a big, I'm a big Batman guy. 
I just reread Hush, which is that big run that Jim Lee did and Jeff Loeb uh, with like every every Batman villain, Superman's. I in gotta there. get through Lock and every, Key. Yeah, it's What's it great? Called? Hush. Nice. Have you read like a Black Hole or? Uh, Is that the one with the S? What's Black Hole about? It's a uh, Charles Burns, I think, and it's just uh, these kids. It's in the seventies, and they kind of hang out in the forest, and they start getting these like weird STD? mutations. That's like the yeah. STD thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book. Uh, it's, it's just a neat story. And then uh, the one, but I think I don't really read series of comics. Like I, I, I love like the graphic novel, like the one-off kind of things. Like Asterios Polyp is probably one of my favorite things ever. It's just it's gorgeous to look at and it's just the story is really like heart-wrenching i uh shameless plug i have a, a comic book series called abattoir which i'm really excited it's um it's that it was out it was released last year through radical but it's uh talk about dark and macabre it's pretty it's pretty cool it's um it's a, it's only a six issue set but it's uh about a dude opening the gateway of hell but it's uh done in a very realistic kind of thing it's pretty so it's cool. not like the I'll gate s- no, I mean, the 80s film The Gate? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, little dudes that Oh, God, I love those. Great. Yeah. Here's what I find uh, in The Dog. Ah, uh, The Dog in uh, The Gate. Here, here's what I find happens to me now is that there is, you know, I, I'm super, super, super busy with work. Yeah. And there are so many things to consume on so many different platforms yeah. that I find myself like, oh, my comicsology. Okay, I'm trying to rifle through to catch up on this. And I'm playing a, you know, I'm playing a video game on my other hand. And then my girlfriend's playing like Borderlands so I can kind of see, you know, like, yeah. and, 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 but then there are shows that are on the DVR and then I got to get them on the iPad. So like, there's so much to consume. What happened 10 years? If you go back when I was in college, I was just thinking about this when I was in, uh, I think my sophomore year in college. I got my first computer and I was so excited. Like, not, I'd had a computer, but I'm talking like it was like a real laptop that I can check email on daily. Before that, like, I would check email every other day or so. It was not like it is now. I mean, within like a 12 year period of time, I can't <laughs> yeah. leave. I mean, look at this. I'm I sitting on an like, iPad yeah. myself, every uh, three or four days. Yeah, I would check yeah. about once a week. I didn't have it. I would go to my friend's house and check my email. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty intense until, you know, it, it's, it started to get crazy around the, around the Palm era. Like when Palm, when Palm sort of introduced like, you know, their, the, you know, their, their PDAs and like the trios series and I was like, oh, I can get email, you know, and then the fucking, the iPhone revolution is just like, you use right before your the iPhone? trio 750, I think it was a 750 or 700, 750. And I thought it was amazing. And then I saw the iPhone and I'm like, why am I holding this brick in my hand? You know, like it, yeah. it just, and it that just happens every time a new iPhone comes out. <laughs> Ew, you disgust me. For... Well, you know, I picked up, I picked up the 4S the other day. I'm like, wow, this is really heavy. How you did know, I compared carry to the this five. thing around? But uh, yeah, it really, you know, it's, it's, you know, we human beings need to be distracted at all times. And it just, the, the, the better technology became, the more it fed into that. And it's, you know, the same reason that people look at elevator numbers and they're in an elevator just to be distracted by something that just constantly, we can't stop. Yeah. Did you see that documentary? It was out, I think, last year, The Transcendent Man. It was no. about the singularity theory about basically, it's I forget who the guy is. Kurzweil. Yeah. Who, who technology is going to, ba- Terminator is basically what it comes down to, that by 20, he gives it a year, by 2020, technology will surpass our understanding of it. And it, it basically that new technology begets new technology. So what we have now was the equivalent on our cell phone was the equivalent of the MIT computer five years ago. Right. And so new technology is is exponentially. exponentially yeah. 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 He says by twenty twenty, that technology will surpass our understanding of it, and it will be term. Basically, it turns into Terminator. At that yeah. Point. Well, then they'll be able to make themselves. Yeah. Exactly. And push themselves forward. The AI. I mean, I always, I always had this idea that maybe. Um, the next stage of human evolution 
was not necessarily a human one, but something that we made that evolves. Yeah. Uh, and then we just sort of become well, in that <laughs> props or batteries. Well, that nanotechnology now, it's insane. Like they were talking about how it's starting to fight cancer and it's, it's, they were showing this whole thing how now we're introducing actual technology into medical and using that to, to, for cancer and for amputees and all of that. It, what point is it going to stop? I mean, if you, if you realize that, that how technology's changed in the last five years from the iPhones and just the iPads, what's five years from now? It's, it's scary. It's crazy. Well, I, I, think, I think we're sort of, I think what, what, the, what, the one thing that you have noticed in the last few years is that, um, you know, we're sort of maxed out currently on um, on processor speed and and flash memory. Yeah. Like, the, you know, the, the last few iterations of the iPhone, like, we're still stuck at 64 gigs. You know, computer processor speeds are still, what, what are they, like, 332 gigahertz? Yeah, those are, those are, even those are overclocked. And so it's like, it, you know, we haven't, there was a period of time where it was like, you know, one gigahertz, one point five, two, two point well, five, three, three. You know, is cores. I how mean, many? How many different yeah. cores? But An in a I way, seven has seven. Seven cores. I understand, but that's. But in a way, that's cheating because you're just daisy chaining a bunch of processors together. And so, you know, there will be some next great leap in computing, whether it's like quantum computing or whether it's some type of you isolinear know, chips like the enterprise uses, or or <laughs> or some type of you know like like. Um, but you know, like bi- biometric sort of a like a biomechanical yeah. sort of a thing, or I don't know. It's but there's some some great le- some new thing has to take hold I mean, for look that at the next leaps leap. In the Iron Man suits, the Mark Seven. I mean, come on, yeah, them off a yeah. yeah, right. Come on, right. <laughs> Jarvis, shoot Matt Myra. Oh, don't. But I think your wife is lovely, Paul Benton. <laughs> what are some of your other favorite rock operas? Uh, Not too many to choose from, are there? Well, no, but I, I mean. Jesus Christ Superstar and Tommy, I think, yeah. are the the. I, I love those weird movies from the seventies. Really thought you were going to say Jesus Christ. I can't think of one. No, <laughs> no, Jesus Christ Superstar. No, but if you watch Tommy, I mean, it's just it's just to get that what again that what the fuck factor. You have Anne Margaret covered in beans as she's rolling around on the floor. I mean, it's it's amazing. What was that second one from uh, the Rocky Horror Guy? Was that Shock Shock Tre- Treatment? Yeah, that yeah, one. Not, not not so much. Not <laughs> not so good, but fucking weird as shit. That's it. It is. You what just, was that one that uh, Brian De Palma made? Oh, Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. Yes. Phantom of the Paradise. Paul Williams, right? Yeah. That is, um, that's another, that's another great. And what's great about all these, and Phantom of the Paradise included, is that they still have legs today. You'll still find midnight screenings oh, of sure. these movies. And it's uh, Phantom of the Phantom of the Paradise is not only just a fun weird movie; it's a fucking weird '70s movie, which is extra weird. Have you heard of the Apple? It's called The Apple. It's one of the weirdest. I think you can find it on Netflix streaming. It's one of the weirdest 70s. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you what it's about. It, it didn't catch on, and there's a reason it didn't, but it's still worth a watch. The Apple. The Apple. What's the, it about? I can't tell you. I have no idea. <laughs> I've seen it five or six times, and I cannot tell you what it's about. Or another crazy one. Is it, uh, is it sort of like the Captain Beefheart of movies? Like, is, what are they oh, doing? I hate Captain yeah, Beefheart. You, uh, I literally have seen it like five or six times. One of those movies I show everybody, and no one can figure out what it is. Like you just kind of walk away and scratch your head. That's like any Jodorowsky movie. Oh, uh, it is. Um, yeah. But another one, another great one, is called the first nudie musical. And it's like, I've yeah. seen the first nudie musical. Oh my god, that makes me so happy. What like, freaked Dan, me out about that movie was Ron, Cindy Williams is in that movie. Well, a lot of people are. Ron Howard's in the movie. He's got a cameo in it. There's so many like weird cameos. It's it's dancing dildos. Have you guys like, ever seen the first nudie musical? No. So it's it's like I think I don't know maybe 79, 80. Yeah. It's like right around there. Cindy, Cindy Williams who played Shirley and Laverne and Shirley is in it. And you said Ron. Ha- yeah. And basically this guy inherits a movie studio that's failing, and so he decides because the seventies this sort of like the 70s is like the full frontal nudity decade. Yeah. And so he decides he's going to make the first nudie musical. 
And so it's basically, a, he wants to make a, it's kind of brilliant. He yes. wants to make a big budget musical porn. And so it's like you see these scenes where they're like, cock inserts, take one. <laughs> and then people just like dance naked. To, it's so weird. It really makes me happy. Like I, the one of the things I love at my so house cool. is I always put on weird movies when people come over and I'll turn the sound off and there's just weird shit on in the background. And, I do that too. And uh, Holy Mountain has been on numerous times. Yeah. Salo, yeah El Topo, Holy yeah. Mountain. Just, so, yeah. and it just makes everyone like, what? What are you watching? Let yeah, My what? Puppets Come. I would like to throw that into the hat. What is it? Let My Puppets Come. I've never seen that. It's How? a, it's a, uh, it's a puppet so porn. Are you oh. serious? Yeah. Have you ever seen Inflated? Is Wait, you one? just changed my life. Are you serious? Wait, no, I'm serious. Okay, so years ago, I'm I'm at the um, whatever that vi- there's a video store in Brentwood, uh, and they Vidiots? had a what? Video? No, it wasn't no, no it wasn't Monica. a cool one. It was like it was like a you know it was like right near Bundy and Wilshire. Cinephile. No, no, no. It was no. it was it was it not like a it was not it like a cool. it wasn't a cool movie oh, nerd okay. one. It was just like a like a video store. Yeah, yeah. There used to be. They were, they everywhere, were everywhere, you guys. Yeah. Um, and then the 99 cent bin on this cover, Let My Puppet, not even the adult section. 1976, Let My Puppets Come. Let My Puppets Come. Uh, Al, Al Goldstein, I think, was one of the producers. And it's basically puppets fucking each other. And I, uh, it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, D has this uh, VHS of a thing called Inflated. And it's this guy that just... Uh, Made weird movies out of like inflatable. Yes, sex I've seen that too. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's how could I have not heard of either of these movies? But this yeah, is a comedy this. though. Like, like let my puppets come is cheeky. It's like there's a puppet. Like, there's like a guy in a hospital, a puppet in a hospital bed, and this chick comes in and she starts blowing him. And and, and it's puppets, and so you you know it's yeah. like you kind of get oh, the Pac Man yeah. of their mouth up and down <laughs> on the shaft, and then okay. he erupts into a volcano of puppet cum, <laughs> which looks like human cum, I guess, <laughs> uh, but probably not under a microscope. Wait, more felt wait, Adams. He directed Deep Throat. Oh wow! Uh, wait, uh, Deep Throat is what pops up when you look his name up. And then he'll be, and then she leaves the room, and he's like, "Who was that?" And someone goes, "That was the head nurse." So it's like it's full of, jo- oh, wow. of jokey jokes and por- and and puppets. Fucking. You know, there's there's that era of like that fucking VHS era that I really love. And there's this guy I follow on Tumblr, um, Vamos Video, uh, and uh, he just like he just get has. What he does, he lives in Kansas, and he just goes to like video stores that are closing. And You're from Kansas, do you know him? Yeah, of course, he lives down the street. Yeah, that's, like, what the, but, uh, that's what the found footage guys do. Yeah, the and they just go to guys, like places, fucking... and he just buys all stuff. But like everything is like he has is just like it's amazing. Just the like the whole he'll uh, you know scan all the VHS covers he gets and oh, just yeah. uh, post like makes gifts. There it's just, a, it's amazing. Really, you know, we really uh, and this gen the generation now is is totally we're totally spoiled now because there really was something special about that basic hunter-gatherer need to find a dirty or even like remember like the red VHS tapes you're like oh, these are yeah. weird or like white ones and you're like this is yeah, really special green one. that was ghost that was ghost uh, remember the days when you had to sign on to a bulletin board to look at porn try to hide it from my mother I turn yeah. the music up, like, and then you're on dial up so it's, yeah, it, it takes really... like 15 minutes or just then jerking off to a JPEG or, that's loading that was a time where you didn't have dual phone lines in the house so you, like, your mom would pick up the phone and hear you at 2am in the morning with that screechy yeah, thing yeah, yeah. you looking at porn yeah so uh, <laughs> must have left it on is it showing yeah, up it's not it just has inflatable movie screens I type in um, inflated movie so what is this it's bad like, SEO it's just this weird thing this guy made he's just the real weirdo and it's the most uncomfortable thing to watch. And like one of them, he made he put in blackface, like, uh, and it's just he makes them 
fuck. And he like just... Lynn Sellis, Silly Cinemas, but with inflatable fuckboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it... inflatable at the UCB one night. It was a uh, fucked up and and remember that fucked up in whatever videos. It was Besser and Walsh. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Saturday nights at midnight. Yeah, it was just uh, yeah. It's I fucking. Track these movies. It down. just makes you un- just one of those things where you're like, this is gonna be funny, and then you watch, you're like, ah, this is. How long has it been on? Just I a am, couple minutes. I'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone weird. I'm pretty sure I still. Oh, I'm pretty sure I still have let my puppets come somewhere. You, you let me know if I can't find it. It's probably in your storage facility that we should auction. When off. Moses oh. was in Egypt, land, let you, my puppets come. <laughs> uh, but I do love that that thing when people walk in the house. There's just something really uncomfortable <laughs> on. Have you have you ever seen Sallow? Sallow? Sal or Sala, yeah. It's um it's criterion, but it's one of the hardest movies to get through. It's I, I can handle pretty oh, much I, anything. I have the cover in my head. I, I can get through pretty much anything, but that's a movie that literally it's so disturbing and disgusting to me that uh it's the only movie that I've actually had to watch on Fast Forward. It's a beautiful film. I mean, it's it's basically about uh fascism and these ki- they they use real kids and they uh put them through some of the most horrific, horrible things. And the director was killed right after he made it too. Whoa. Murdered. Um Track it down. That's a that's a hard one. To get. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sort of like Larry, get. Larry, like a Larry Clark movie. No, well, it's beautifully shot. It's uh, and you're just but the, the thing that makes it so hard to watch is the, the kids in it. A lot of times, if they're doing kid violence, it's older people playing. They they have real kids, and there's like a, there's like a scene in it where it's literally these fascists that are that are making kids do horrible things for their own sexual gratification. And there's a scene like where. They starve the kids, and then they show. It's been forever since I've seen it, but they show a woman putting razor blades and um, nails into a cat food, and then she makes the kids eat it. And then, like, there's another scene where they make one of the kids like shit on a floor, and the other people have to eat it. But there's no cutting, and it's just it's a oh, hard, hard movie to get man. through. And uh, I got it for my birthday, and this criteria is like I've heard about this, and I put it on for everyone to, to watch, and it killed the mood. Party, just, party, yeah, 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 party over, party over. That yeah. I did. I did the same thing. Let my puppets come. I brought it to a, a Doug Benson show at the UCB where we're supposed to bring movies. Oh clips. yeah, fuck, yeah. I was there. And you were at that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And um, and you're, there was a theme around the night, and you're supposed to bring clips, and then just sort of you know, like Doug uh, loves interrupting. Uh, wasn't it love? Yeah, yeah, it was like Valentine's Day movie, and, I, and, and I brought, brought my that. puppets. Come thinking, of every, I'm thinking like this is the UCB <laughs> puppet. Like the opening scene is a woman who fucks her. There's a puppet woman who fucks her puppet dog, and she says, "I don't, I can't, I can't do it with you. You're a dog." And he says, "But I've had all my shots." And his puppet lipstick dog cock comes out. Oh my god! And they have sex, and it's just like felt on felt, and it's hilarious, and it just like silence, silence. Uh. It was one of the times. It was the time I misjudged the UCB theater the most. Sorry, you, you know, I, I, there's yeah. always that uh, that the thing that makes those kind of things creepier is when you just that you have that VHS room tone sound when you watch it. <laughs> yeah. Just like it, it starts, <laughs> and, you're, and then you see like the screen like yeah. do the tilt, <laughs> like the tracking, air, the tracking. Oh, they didn't do the audio right. <laughs> oh, the tracking. Remember getting up to hit the fucking tracking button to fucking make it. Some yeah. fancy ones VHS had remotes. On DVD, you have the VHS. I have the is? DVD. So it is on. Someone DVD. put okay. it on DVD. All right. I it exists it. somewhere, and right. I, and I'm pretty sure that I still have it. And if I have it, you're right. more than welcome to burn a copy right. of it. I would, I would do you still it. have any of your VHS? Uh, uh, you know what? I have a storage unit of of about fifty or hundred that I kept just because the Nappies are good movies because I love the cover of them. Yeah. Um, and that is the same thing. I also have eight tracks that I kept from my brother and records, but. Uh, only about fifty, I would say. Yeah, I, I had about three hundred at one point, and then I like I realized I had some where I'm just like I just I don't like this movie. I just thought it'd be neat to have. Yeah. And then I started paring it down, and then I realized I should probably hold on to the ones that won't make it to DVD. DVD yeah. And you know, and then they're just sitting there. They're just sitting there like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a I do have to go through my storage unit as well. 
but I feel like a lot because I, I have a ton of shit that I just taped off television in the 80s. And so you get the really awesome commercials. That's that the go, best part about yeah. watching old uh, things you tape. It's just the fucking commercials. There's a, like I have I have old SNL episodes and you see like I have uh, I the commercials for Return of the Living Dead. Oh, nice. And stuff like, and stuff like that. So uh, along with like those classic like 80s Budweiser and Levi commercials. Oh, oh there was Spuds McKenzie. Spuds. Yeah. 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 yeah it was awesome. The original so, you know, party dog. Fucking Spuds McKenzie. And so few people actually remember that Spuds McKenzie was the dog of the McKenzie brothers from str- from the SCTV, Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. Strange Brew, Spuds McKenzie came from fucking Strange Brew. Yeah, and no one re- that people remember Spuds McKenzie, and some so few people remember the McKenzie yeah, brothers. I, remember I still have. I have a. Sp- I, that's so crazy because I just remember that saying the storage unit. I actually have one that my I got for Christmas. It was like a Spuds McKenzie. Lamp? No, it was like a doorstop. You put it to keep doors open, but it, it had like he had like a Budweiser hat on. Uh, yeah, but that's crazy. The Canadian Bulldog. You know what you and Spuds McKenzie have in common? Um, we're both white. You both guest starred on Married with Children. Oh! oh. Do you remember that uh, that uh, Futurama episode Thanks, where trivia, Slurm Factory and they have a yeah, Slurms Slurm McKenzie, the original Slurm. party slug? <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, like uh, are you okay, Slurms? And he like, takes off his sunglasses, just got bloodshot eyes. He's like, I'm so tired of partying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I what's next for you, Darren? I have um I have a movie opening uh called The Barons. It's a uh it's a monster, it's like a creature feature with uh Stephen Moyer from True Blood. Yep. Um it's it's cool. It's, okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh it's um it's about the Jersey Devil. It's I love cryptozoology stuff. I love oh, of movies course. that have anything to do with like possible things that could be out there. Uh it's about the Jersey Devil, which is this uh supposed creature that lives in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Um the thirteenth child of Mother Leeds, this woman, supposedly a witch. Had 12 children, and the uh, town folk got together this in the 1700s and said, if you have any more kids, you're banished from the town. So she went into seclusion, and a year later, uh, the town folk went to visit her, and she was pregnant with her 13th child. Claims that she that she was, uh, she was woke up, it was immaculate conception, she did not have sex with a man. They banished her from the town, and she cursed the town and cursed her unborn child and said, let the devil take it. It's the devil's child. So the, the legend is that she gave birth to this child, and it, it turned on her, killed her, killed the other siblings, and still lives in the Pine Barren. So that was the legend. And uh, which, what I love about it is the sightings that people talk about, starting from the 1700s, going all the way to today, from reputable sources, from police, firemen, politicians, lawyers, doctors. It, and there's a, I have all these books that talk about the sightings, and they're all pretty consistent of what they are. And the photographic evidence of it is pretty awesome as well. It's just horrible, like, kind of mauled um, bat-looking camel. It's weird. It's hard to explain. Mm. Um, and so... Uh, this is a story of, of Stephen Moyer taking his family into the woods camping, and he's either going crazy or this thing is following them. Um, but uh, I just finished that, and that's coming out this week. But Eric <laughs> saves them, right? Because he's good now. Who's that? Oh, yes, the good vampire. Yes, of course. <laughs> no, no, he's going crazy because uh, he's camping in New Jersey. <laughs> uh, so that's coming out. And then uh, we're moving on and doing Devil's Carnival 2. The first one. Nice. Yeah, that first, uh, the first one, the, the whole thing we did worked out. And so we're going to do it again. And we're doing. <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever want to make, like, do you like kind of uh, sort of being on the fringe? Or do you really, do you ever want to go back and go, okay, I'll make a $150 million monster Listen, movie? I'm ready to sell out again in a second. But <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think here's the deal is it's becoming harder and harder for filmmakers to um 
it used to be like, in, even even when I started, like five or ten years ago, um, you did a horror movie and it was in a thousand screens and a minimum three thousand screens is the maximum. And that was that was pretty standard. Now there's such an over, uh, so many people are making movies. You don't have to have millions of dollars anymore. You can have a camera and, and a final cut system, and it's becoming harder and harder for filmmakers to get distribution. And since now uh, with VOD and all this online stuff, it's it, the distribution model is changing. So I'm trying to stay ahead of it and change with it. Um, and doing it. What I love about what I'm doing now is that I do control my fate. I'm not reliant on a studio. I'm not reliant on someone saying to me, you know, this is commercial, this is not. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Now, that being said, if they came back to me and said, hey, we want you to do Saw 24, Jigsaw in space, you better believe I'm back there. <laughs> it has to end in space. <laughs> the, all the good really, ones do. Do you know what? I, I really, this is one of my probably biggest failures as a director, is I really wanted to reboot the Leprechaun series because I fucking <laughs> love the Leprechaun series. And yeah. I, 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 pit, I had this amazing pitch and I'm serious about it. I actually spent time on it. I had a PowerPoint presentation. When was Le- this? When did you... Uh... Re- recently. Um, they were going to reboot the Leprechaun series and I joked about it since the beginning of my career that that's my passion project. And I had this whole idea: the leprechaun finds a time machine and goes back to the old west, the Colorado Gold Rush. Are you serious? That's that's perfect. Oh like, my god! Do you get Warwick Davis? I, I would. I would get Warwick back, and I would. It would be a reboot, but it would still. I think he's great. And, Dude, uh, no, do a reboot. Get Dinklage in there. Oh my god! <laughs> but so I'm so serious about this, and I actually wrote out this treatment with a friend of mine, and we had it like he he shows up in a whorehouse, and the first thing is like imagine the whole thing: the, the, the time machine puts him under a bed, and people are having sex, and he comes out, he's got a six shooter. You have firefights, the Colorado Gold Rush. So I go in, I'm so excited and I pitch it. I'm in a room full of executives. They're all stone-faced, not a smile amongst them. And like, I, I, I finish the pitch and I kind of sit there. No one, like, there's not a single smile. And they're like, thank you, Darren. You can leave now. Whoa. And then the next, uh, seriously, a week later, I see the WWE is doing it with that wrestler. I forget his name. Um, the little wrestler. I can't think of what his name is. I'm sure people are listening. Doink the Clam. Uh, but they have a, they have a, uh, a wrestler who is going to be playing the leprechaun and what? Uh, I was, and they're, I don't even know who they're got directing it, but they did not like my pitch about leprechaun back in the, uh, old West. Wow. That is a genius that, idea. I know, right? Cause yeah, I guess because the, they've already gone to space and then they even went back to the hood. They did. They and went I'm back to say, the hood. I'm a connoisseur of the leprechaun movies. The hood series are the, him back in the hood and let back to the hood again. They're, they're, they're amazing. They're great. Yeah. They're great. They're yeah. They're, they're the best says. ones. Uh, leprechaun space. Not so great, but it I, is. Really, there's there's moments where it's, it becomes aware of itself, and then therefore just stops being fun for the person watching it. Ah. But it does have. I'm forgetting his name now. He was the uh, he was in Return of the Living Dead. It was the black guy. Um, I know you're talking about, uh, but I mean it, they do have some great cameos from Jennifer Aniston to to Ice Cube. Yeah, uh, Ice T. I'm sorry, Ice T. Uh, they just make me happy. And I think that, that those are the kind of movies I would love to make. Go back and make something that is just so ridiculous and over the top. And uh, But if you take it like, it's like if you do the thing and you just take it with the utmost sincerity, oh, yeah, then that, that's what makes it good. That's what makes it hilarious. And yeah. That's the whole thing. is, is like you, you play it as if it's a serious like Western drama, whatever yeah. like that. But it's Leprechaun. I mean, yeah. that's, that's fantastic. Uh, like the, opening, the, the opening of uh, Austin Powers 3, I don't know if you remember it, but the one where they have like Tom Cruise is playing Austin Powers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the opening is just like over the top and it looks like a fucking great action movie. Like I wish they had gone that direction with the third movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's it the thing that people awesome. always forget is just if like a, the way to make the, a great parody is to just take, treat, it. take it seriously, treat the genre with respect and like, and have everyone just be like, "Don't wink, don't wink," because then that makes it fucking lame. No, exactly. And I think you're right. If you if you film the thing like Deadwood, it would be hilarious. I think yes, the whole thing exactly. Would be, uh, I think the thing would be great. So what I'm doing next is I'm seriously going to start a campaign for myself, and I hope Twitter follows me on this and Facebook. I get some followers about having me direct and reboot the Leprechaun series. I'm going to put all my eggs in that basket. I don't yeah. kickstart that. 
<laughs> I, I really should. Um, Who owns the Leprechaun? Lions, I think it's Li- it's Lionsgate and WWE now. Oh, WWE. So when I now. went into Lionsgate when they the ones where they did not find it funny, and uh, <sighs> hmm. I thought it was awesome. Why don't but, you reboot the Wishmaster? Uh, that's another one. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great '80s titles that, that are really ex- obscure enough that you could do and not upset everybody. You yeah. know what? You could. I think you could do an awesome Candyman. Oh, oh, Candyman. Candyman fucks me up. Yeah, that is. I, uh, <laughs> Tony Todd. Up. Tony Todd is still like an intimidating dude. Yeah. I run into him time again. Yeah, He's I met him and I was dude. just like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. I don't feel good around you. <laughs> there are certain horror icons like like Bill Mosley. He's one of the nicest dudes in the entire world, yet he plays like Otis, and he's terrifying. Right. Uh, but he's so nice and friendly. Tony Todd, though, freaks me out. Every time I see him, I... I uh, Clam up a little yeah, bit. I saw him at a Comic Con and I was like, Oh, I can't get a picture with you. And he just kept what was the show? He was he ended up being on like ER or something like that. Was like, he? yeah, he had like a short stint on some show. He's like, Watch that show, watch that show, man, watch that show. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, don't, Aww. yeah, don't pitch that to me. I saw him in a French movie and I was, it was weird. Really? He was speaking French. Speaking I saw French. him in a drama. I saw him in a weird movie that had Mark Hamill in it recently called Sushi Girl, where Tony Todd oh, is the lead. Have you, have you heard of this movie? I've seen the title, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a crazy movie, but Tony Todd is the lead of this movie and carries it. And like I've always seen him play that like over-the-top killer, bad guy, whatever. It's good. Yeah, I, yeah. Speaking of Mark Which Hamill movies, uh, yeah. The Giver. What's that? Oh, my God. That, that's the suit. The right? suit, the suit. Yeah. yeah. Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, '80s to me is the, the the '80s movies that came out have some of the craziest, most awesome. Like The Gate, you were just talking. About. I love like, The Gate. Oh I still God, watch it. That's one of those movies that'll pop on, you know, like when people are over that or Creepshow Two. It scares me though. Sometimes uh, I try to revisit movies I have such fond memories of, and they I don't know if it's I I should stop watching those movies because I watched Highlander again because I remember oh, I had yeah. fond memories of Highlander as a kid, and then I popped it back. You were in thinking of Highlander Two. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, then it just doesn't live up. Same with Garbage Pail Kids. I love that movie, and then I saw it again. Not so great. Yeah, it's not. No. It's a. Uh, it has. It, it, I remember it being so much like more cool than it ended up being. Yeah, yeah. But I, I love that era of movies. There was no, because the eighties was really before our culture disco- discovered irony. Yeah, <laughs> or at least it was sleeping in the eighties, yeah. and so everyone would just make. Like it was the coolest movie ever. Like that's, I think that was really that element. Like it's that, it's that thing that Tim and Eric are always like trying to capture or or capture. It's just like, is these, it's people who just think that they're making the most amazing thing. You know, like their characters. I don't mean Tim and Eric. I mean the characters that they portray, like what they're doing is the most awesome thing ever. And, and, but in the eighties, like people really, really, really believe that no matter what the fucking movie was. Yeah. It's a, it was a good time for movies, though. Yeah. But, but again, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep the boxes of the VHS and not watch them again because I don't want to have those memories tarnished. Yeah. If you you just got to go back and. When was the last time you saw Guyver? I mean, I actually went back and watched I that. Movie oh my god, I haven't kid. seen that movie in in years. No, I'm sure it's not gonna hold up to whatever you remember it to be. No. I just remember I remember the suit like bursting out of it, yeah. like the thing gets implanted and then it, like it bursts out and then just becomes like the the, the suit the suit. But it had that it had that sort of um um. It, it it had that kind of like mo- monster, like Japanese monster, yeah. move, you know, like the kaiju suits, yeah. where where the it didn't really look like armor. Yeah. <laughs> it was like it's supposed to look like armor, but it was all bendy. Yeah, you know, holds up. Killer clowns from outer space. Oh, That's hell a movie yeah, that does. fucking the Kyoto Brothers. That fucking thing holds the fuck up. That's great. That is a classic. Did you yeah. really need to swear that much? <laughs> did, I, did I say it a lot? It fucking holds the fuck up. Oh, you better fucking believe it, Jonah. You're doing it again. Uh, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> fucking 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 it. <laughs> 
Uh, well, uh, Darren, you, you've been a super fun guest. I would love to have you come back on sometime and just uh, talk, uh, like fucked up eighties horror movies. Well, by that time I'll have watched, uh, let your puppets come. Let, let, yep. Let my puppets, let my puppets and, uh, come. Would you just it. let them come? I, I, all they want to do is come. Come. Yeah. So there's actually songs in it? Are you guys no, no, Jonas. Because I was going to make a musical version of it unless it was already done. There's no reason that you can't. I, so. I, think, I think we should. No, well, me and Chris will write all the songs. Impromptu. Yeah. Oh, did you, see, did you guys see that little featurette about the making of Le, uh, Les Miserables? <laughs> Les, Les Miserables. Les Miserables. I've always had a problem with it. That and the word jewelry. Uh, but uh, it's a musical... That the uh, they're recording the singing live while they're shooting the That's movie. That's insane. That's and crazy. everyone has a little earpiece, and there's a and there's they have a piano player or keyboard player off to the side that goes along with what they so they set the pace as they're singing, and so they're That's doing crazy. all the acting and singing the songs. It's uh, it's almost it's a, like you're seeing Les Mis. Yeah. <laughs> But and in that, a movie, that's, yeah. But like, was still with fucking crazy cinematic. We tried shows. to do that once on one of the musicals, and it's it's insane. I mean, that's really hard. If, yeah. if they pull that off, that's amazing. Check out the there's a there's a little feature right on uh, it online I right now. I think it looks great. Yeah, I think it looks looks like a real. It's gonna be really good who's looking. Anne Hathaway's, Hathaway's in it, and then uh, Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman, yeah. The and, other girl, uh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe's the, the, the other girl. The guys, the long hair. hair. Russell Crowe. Russell. I know you're talking about. Yeah, the other girl. What's her name? The blonde girl. Yeah, she was in the Megan Fox movie. The yep. horror film. Uh, and she was also Russell. in Mean Girls. Jennifer's Body. Crow. Jennifer's Body. Who's the other girl in Jennifer's Body? Yeah. That's uh, Amanda Seyfried. Amanda yes. Seyfried. Yeah. Yes. Like in in the fucking feature, like it shows her just like belting out this thing while crying, and you're just like, holy shit! They fucking all got it. They're uh, great. I mean, you really, if if this model continues to work for you, you you know, you could be this sort of like. P.T. Barnum of movies and just like have your fucking traveling movie show. It's cool. And I mean, listen, the thing which is badass about it is it's a lot of work. I mean, literally driving 60 cities in a van that smells like tears and sadness is just horrible. But (laughs) the reality was I'm being drunk nightly and eating truck stop food. But it's awesome because I set my own thing. I set the schedule. I set the theater just going to play in. And like there's no one there. And it's 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 no studio saying you have to do this, this or this. It's cool. But it's a lot of work. Well, but it's worth it because... It at the end of the day, you take full responsibility for if everything. Yeah, no, that's the thing. If it succeeds, it's because of us. If it fails, it's because of us. And, and at no least that way. way you can learn from it. Listen, exactly. if, if 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 someone else controls your thing and it fails, and you're like, "Fuck, I didn't have a chance to." If you control your thing and it fails, and like, you well, go, "Well, up. I, what I, what what can I do better next time?" At least yeah. you can learn from that. No, it it is, and that's that's why I like it. It's, it's putting the fate of the art back in the artist's hands. So. Are you are you Darren Bozeman on Twitter? Is it your full I name or is it, it just Bozeman? Uh, it's I think it's Darren underscore Bowsman on Twitter. Oh Bowsman. Yeah. I've been saying right. Bozeman the whole no time. One, no one gets it. It's totally fine. But ouch. it's OU. Like I should have <laughs> you know, I no. say Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Darren underscore Bowsman and on Facebook it's Darren Lynn Bowsman. I feel like we should re record the entire podcast. Let's start again. Let's 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 start again. Our, I'll start from okay. back, yeah. to one. back back to Get the bag, yeah. get the bag. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> get your stupid bag. Our guest is Darren Bowsman. Hey guys. <laughs> who directed the Sal movies. Yes, the Sal movies. <laughs> God damn it. And you were so polite to not correct me the entire time. Because people must do that shit to you all the time. I'm giving yeah, up. I'll, I'll end this thing on, on a great last Comic-Con story, which is uh, one of my favorite and horrible things is I'm at Comic-Con and Saw 3 is there. 
and I'm at a bar, and I've had a little drink, and this guy comes up to me and goes, holy shit, you're Darren. I was like, yeah, and he goes, oh my God, I'm a huge fan. Can my wife and I take a picture with you? And I say, okay. His wife comes over, and he goes, oh my God, my husband loves your movies. That's all he talks about. He's got your posters all over his wall. I'm like, awesome. And so they're taking pictures, and they call their friends over. They say, hey, this is Darren, the director. They're like, oh my God, your movie's so disturbing. Oh no, I know where this is going. And so so they're all coming over, and they're taking pictures. Now they're buying me shots. And like, we're taking shots, Mm. and they're like, man, what was it like working with Ellen Burstein and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? And then I realized someone told him that's Darren thinking Darren Aronofsky. (laughs) And so all of a sudden I've got 60 people around me now and they're all buying me shots and they're all talking about Requiem for a Dream and Fountain and all this other stuff. And I'm like, and I didn't know what to say at that point. I'm like, I've had like... You say nothing. You say nothing. Well, (laughs) If finally one of the guys whispers something to his friend, and then you see them all kind of reverse robot out of there. Yeah. But that was that was an awkward one because I didn't know. Like I have sixty people around me. Do I tell them? Sorry, do I kill that dream? Yeah. And I was getting quoted lines. That's what actually what it was. It was the Maid Marian. They, they some guy goes Maid Marian. <laughs> I was like, why is he quoting Requiem for a Dream? Lines? And then I realized I think I'm Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> Well, you know, because you directed it. Of uh, course. I like the uh, Rick Room for a Dream runner we've had through this episode. I know. Yeah. Nicely yeah. cast. Yeah. How often does it... Well, you know, it was on my mind today because I saw... Uh, a double-sided dildo. <laughs> well, I saw... Uh, I was I was walking with my friend... Jack, you know Jack who works at Comedy Central? Yeah. So we're, we had lunch, and there were two... Um, uh, giant delivery trucks that were backed up against each other, and so someone was and 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 delivery guy like literally to, like open and and delivery guys were throwing boxes back and forth, and I was like, oh, it's a, a requiem for a dream, uh, and, and then he said, oh no, they're like dogs, you got to hose them off so they'll separate, yeah. and so we just made we just basically just made all these dumb ass to ass truck yeah. jokes, and so requiem of a dream for for a dream has been on my mind all day. Poop forever, back and forth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's uh, that's that's, that's you and, me and me everyone, everyone you know. Can I give one last plug? Is sure. Uh, Devilscarnival.com. Thedevilscarnival.com. And that's where they can get the DVD and the soundtrack and all that good stuff. Thedevilscarnival.com. Thedevilscarnival.com. So not just Carnival. The not Devil's just Carnival. Carnival, or just devil. Carnival the Cruise Lines. Hey man, it's just like It's just like Facebook. Drop the the. The. No, yeah, but someone already has Facebook, Devil's Carnival. Right, the Devil. We'll see you in more. I'll be back here next time promoting my pornography uh, puppet movie, which Looking I will turn into a musical. <laughs> oh, yeah. This. So I'm excited. Starring Warwick Davis. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Elbow deep. Aaron Bowser. Well, for him, that's only four inches. Enjoy your Bowrito. Excellent. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks thank for that. Thank you very much, guys. Pleasure. Thank Pleasure. you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was nice Excellent. to meet you. Yes, nice meeting you as well. Bowsman! Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. In 2001, less than a month after the 9-11 attacks, the U.S. and allied forces invaded Afghanistan. The goal was simple. Hunt down al-Qaeda and its leader, Osama bin Laden, and unseat the Taliban government that sheltered him. But even though the Taliban was quickly removed, negotiating an end to the war turned out to be a much bigger challenge. Despite some of the world's best negotiators working tirelessly for peace, all sides were never able to come to a negotiated agreement. And in 2021, 20 years after being ousted from power, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. So why did some of the world's smartest and most experienced negotiators fail for 20 years to mediate a peace deal in Afghanistan? The Afghan Impasse, a special seven-episode edition of The Negotiators, a podcast from Doha Debates and Foreign Policy, looks back on the players, politics, and strategies that contributed to one of the biggest failures in modern peace negotiations. You can listen to The Negotiators, The Afghan Impasse, exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.